welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles political history podcast. I'm Jennifer Coron. And I'm Drew Gilbert. And our guest this week is former uh, Prattville Mayor and ADECA Director Jim Byard Jr., also bro of uh, Mr. Gilbert over here. This is true. So um, Jim and I first met because he was the director of ADECA, who was the agency in charge of distributing that tornado money uh, after I took office. Um, so we met there, but we've really developed a relationship, which we have similar values. We have, we have similar ideas of, of what we think public service is. Is he where is. you get your sock thing from? So he and I were independently sock guys, but then we had a little friendly competition. You know, game recognizes game, mm-hmm. which let me point out at this at this point in my career where I am uh, at the brewery more than, than not, I hardly wear those socks right. anymore. Uh, but at the time, you know, I was dressing in my slacks and, and mm-hmm. my dress shirts and, and my nice socks, and we just kind of recognized one day. And so then it became every time we ever met after that, it was all about the socks. Um, but, we, you know, we developed a relationship. Um, uh, we, we got close because we both wanted to see our community stronger. I mean, you could tell that mm-hmm. in one another. And then now we've actually had the opportunity. Uh, we both serve on the board of directors for Yorktown, Alabama. So, you know, we have some, some occasional right. um, interactions there through our, through our board meetings and stuff. So uh, Jim's a good one. Uh, we talked uh, in an earlier episode about uh, Carl Elliott being a true public servant and really wanting the will of the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim's one of those. And, and I'm, I'm always going to want to surround myself with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't find there to be a whole heck of a lot of them left. Right. And I want to be around the ones that are left. And just a super nice guy. Oh, he really is. Every time I was around him when he would come for the presentations and things, I mean, you just got the vibe of just a super nice, I could just sit down and just talk like anything with this guy. Super nice guy. Somewhere where I found him to be just tremendously superior to me uh, is his ability to uh, remember everyone and their names and where they're from and who they are and what they do. I do a pretty good job remembering like who you are, what you do, maybe who your family is, and I may not know your name. Mm-hmm. Like I do, I do that right. to a lot. There are a lot of people that are like relatively close in my life that I know who you are and what you do and what your role is, and I may forget your name from mm-hmm. time to time. I'm awful at it. Um, he is, he's a stud. We went before this interview. Uh, we went to Black Rock and Eight together, and um, he's just picking people out in there. He's picking as many people out in there as I am, mm-hmm. and I'm local. You know, I'm right? Local. I, you live here. My family owns a business a couple blocks away, mm-hmm. and he's able to pick as many people out. And then he picked out some strangers that he didn't know and just struck up a conversation right. with them and made a joke. This is at the very beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, mm-hmm. and he made a joke with uh, someone next to him about uh, social distancing because if you've ever eaten at Black Rock, you know social distancing is Isn't impossible thing, yeah. in there. <laughs> it's all about that quaint, intimate setting. So um, he's a good one, and you'll hear it on the interview. He's uh, he's he's a salt-of-the-earth yeah. kind of guy. We're, we're glad to introduce you. We're going to assume that most of you guys have never probably uh, heard an interview with him, probably didn't even know his name. We're mm-hmm. excited to introduce you to him through this interview. Our guest today is Jim Byer, um, previously the gentleman who distributed a lot of checks around the city of Cordova, for which we are extremely thankful. Also former mayor of Prattville. Um, and now you have a consulting uh, firm of your own. Is that right? I do. I do, Jennifer. I'm so glad to be here. It's and I imagine a friend of uh, Mayor Gilbert's over here. I, you guys have some history. I, I do. Have we, a fr- we share two <laughs> passions. Um, I have a passion for big checks for Cordova, which he always seemed to have <laughs> after the tornado. Always a great thing. And uh, he also hates political signs on rights of way like me. Well, he may not hate them. <laughs> hate's a strong word. He dislikes them. I do dislike political signs on rights of way. And he followed your path 
before you followed your path. He has a very similar uh, youngest mayor of Prattville, yeah, right? I was. Um, that dog ma- doesn't hunt anymore, yes. but I was. <laughs> <laughs> and mayor during uh, a period where the tornadoes came through uh, your town. We did have a tornado. We certainly did. Um, so a lot of similarities to Drew's background. There are a lot of similarities. Uh, yes. I didn't quite make it to the governor's cabinet, though. No, nope. I'm afraid my you're, ceiling was a little. I was going to say you had a ceiling, and it was. You, you're not at the age I was <laughs> when I made the governor's cabinet. You still have some uh, time. So tell me a little. So you were a political science major in school. I was. So were, was that because you always wanted to do public service? I I had a passion, honestly. My I have my grandfather. My grandfather. My mother grew up in Ellick City in Tallapoosa County. My grandfather, a guy named Herod Mann, and his brother was a gentleman named Floyd Mann. Floyd, my whole life, was involved in politics. And he was, um, I'm proud to say, the I'm proud to say he was on the right side of history. He was the head of the state troopers during the um, during the Freedom Rides mm-hmm. uh, way back. And when the Freedom Riders came to Montgomery, the Montgomery Police Department had a had a, an agreement with the troopers to protect the Freedom Riders, and they did not uphold the end of their bargain, and so Floyd was there, and Congressman John Lewis has told the story that the reason he's alive is because Colonel Mann was there and drew his gun and told the crowd to disperse, and so Floyd in my whole lifetime was somebody who drove a big black car, always smoked a cigar, and knew everybody. And I thought, that's pretty cool. I, I could drive a black car and smoke a cigar and know everybody. And so he just instilled truly a, um, you know, a love of public service. And so I say it goes back to Floyd. And then I ran for city council. I graduated from high school in at Prattville High School in 1984. And I ran for city council in 1988 and got beat. And I was about... Uh, I guess what would I have been in eighty eight, maybe twenty two ish, and looked like I was about ten, <laughs> and so then I ran again in ninety two and won, and 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 uh, ended up serving ninety two, was reelected in ninety six, and became city council president. Pratt was the size that the city council president becomes the mayor should something happen to the mayor. And in 1999, our mayor uh, died in office, had a heart attack. He was overseas in Germany. And so I became the mayor of Prattville um, in uh, uh, July of uh, 1999. Now that I didn't realize. I didn't realize that's how you became the mayor the first time. So I served a year of Mayor Whetstone's term, ran again, and then served three of my And you served, I should say, three terms. I did. I did. And there is nothing better, not a better gig than you can get than to be a mayor of your hometown. On most days. I agree with that. Did the population change greatly while you were mayor? I know a lot of industry came in. So where were you, where were y'all population wise in the beginning and where you became? We were about 19,000 when I arrived on the scene at the city council in 92. And when I left office, we were at about 38,000. So we had a tremendous population uh, boom. You know, we are in what we call the river region, Montgomery's largest. city outside of Montgomery. So we had a lot of uh, folks moving in, wanting a hometown feel. Much like, uh, truly, you guys are to Birmingham. We're a lot closer to Montgomery, but we had a lot of folks that worked in Montgomery. A lot of state capital, you know, a lot of state government employees live in Prattville, military, Maxwell Air Force Base folks. And quite honestly, we have a lot of um, Selma expats, people that grew up in Selma, and they, they 
they live in Prattville. We're a good good hometown. What uh, what else came with that? You had a lot of industry growth right there on the interstate around that time too. A lot of your retail. We had a lot of talk retail a little, growth. Yeah, Absolutely. Talk a little bit about that. Well, we we my whole lifetime grew up going to Montgomery. If you wanted a suit of clothes or you wanted uh, you know blue jeans, you had to go to Montgomery. And so we decided that we actually had a had a, a large insurance company that's based here in Alabama. Their headquarters is in Montgomery. I won't call their name, but they were looking. They were trying to decide if they were going to keep their headquarters where it presently is, or if they were going to move somewhere else. And we we vied for that industry, and we lost. They decided to stay where they were. We visited with the president of that company, and he said, Jim, I can't come to Prattville because there's no restaurants and there's no place for my people to shop at lunchtime. And so <clears throat> we decided that day that no other person would be able to tell us that. So we knew nothing about retail. We started out knocking on doors to developers, and they said that Montgomery is a B market, which means there will be two stores. There will be two targets. There will be two uh, 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 Dillard's, there'll be two pennies, there'll be two belks and there's nothing saying that those two stores have to be in the same city, you know, have to be in Montgomery City Limits, just in that market. So we decided we ought to have the second store nor what we call North of the River and we started out, uh, that was when Target was really, really big I had never been in a Target, never heard of a Target, didn't know what a Target was, but every uh a lot of citizens, especially moms, were big on Target and wanted a Target. Got to have a Target, Mayor. Got to have a Target. So we started out on the retail path, and it ended up we had the good demographics. We were, you know, retailers are looking for safe, uh, easy access, and rooftops. And we had safety, we had easy access, and we had rooftops. And then along came Johnny Morris and Bass Pro, and uh, that's a big deal, and it's a big draw. Of course, those were in times we're in a different era today. There's a lot of, you know, online retail is, people say retail is dying. I would say retail is just, um, it, it's changing. It's not dying. It's an experience. People still are want to go to stores and things. So we were blessed with a lot of retail and became the shopping hub, which is positive for a community. Drew knows sales tax runs communities in the state of Alabama and you have to have sales tax. And we were blessed with that during my time. So I've talked with you a lot about um, some of your experiences as mayor, working with the Department of Transportation on bridge projects and stuff like that, and we've talked about the retail growth. But kind of go ahead and fast forward up to uh, January of 2011. Yes. Uh, obviously, you didn't have any intentions of going anywhere. You were I did entrenched. Not. You were the mayor. You liked what you were doing. I did. And Governor Bentley calls, right? Governor Bentley called in December of 11. Well, Governor-elect Bentley. Governor-elect Bentley yeah. called, and I was not a uh, political I did not give him any money. I did not know. I don't want to say I didn't know him, but I did not know him. He was a state representative of Tuscaloosa. So when he became the Republican nominee, they called, uh, you know, as they do, come to City Hall. So I met uh, Mr. Bentley, Governor Bentley, Dr. Bentley, whatever he was at the time, Dr. <laughs> Bentley. And his wife, uh, Mrs. Diane Bentley, were there and, and visited with them like any elected local official would do. And then you fast forward, uh, I got a call from um, his uh, transition office, and they said that the governor-elect wanted was looking for some folks and was inter- wanted to know if I would be interested in talking to him about ADECA. And ADECA is the Alabama Department of Economic Community Affairs. It's an agency, vital agency, brings federal dollars in and then disperses them to local communities, local nonprofits across the state. So 
I went over, I said certainly, so I went over and visited with uh, then-Governor-elect Bentley, and he talked about ADECA, and he said that he uh, wanted a mayor to run ADECA because he thought that uh, a local official would know how to leverage dollars, and so I thought that sounded pretty good to me. I had been president of the League of Municipalities, very involved in the in the Association of Alabama Cities, and um, so we talked and discussed that you know, I was planning to run for re-election, so if I wasn't chosen, I'd appreciate it if nobody knew I was over here because I wasn't really out looking for he Actually, he wanted to know, did I have a resume? And I said, no, I don't have a resume. I'm the mayor of Pratt. <laughs> I mean, no. I, and so uh, we visited, talked on, and then he offered uh, me that opportunity to go to ADECA, and I thought that would be a, a good thing to do, a fun thing to do, different thing to do. You know, when the governor asks you to serve, you step up and serve, and so... So I showed up at ADECA January the 20th, 2011, my first day on the job there. And you ended up as the longest <coughs> serving director of ADECA, yeah. I noticed, in uh, some of your bio. Uh, uh, yes. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I am the longest serving. So at ADECA, if you think about it, when Governor uh, Siegelman was governor, he had four ADECA directors, one for every year he was in office. And then Governor Riley came in, and Governor Riley had three. So in the... In the 12 years before I arrived, they had uh, seven different directors. And it's hard to run something if you've got seven different philosophies Mm -hmm. and different. So um, I was able to offer a little stability and um, our team. And we had a, you know, ADECA, they do tremendous work across the state. Mm -hmm. They are are in small communities and large communities and all all of our 67 counties. And there's a good chance that, that any of our listeners have ever read in the paper where somebody got a grant around here. ADECA was involved mm-hmm. in it. More just than to, likely. Just to give them perspective Absolutely. on what ADECA Ab- is I mean, they do, they have economic development grants, they have law enforcement grants, so domestic violence shelters, um, child advocacy centers, uh, oftentimes are run with, with judicial grants, Justice Department grants, housing and urban development, they interface with the Department of Energy, all the federal agencies, mo- I won't say all, but a good number of those federal mm-hmm. agencies, that those dollars run through ADECA, so mm-hmm. any kind of, and then not to mention, um, which I presume we'll get to on our hundredth day in office, the tornadoes of uh, of well, April of twenty uh, twenty eleven happened, mm-hmm. and um, and all of those a good portion of the uh, uh, disaster supplemental dollars, uh, the vast majority came to ADECA, and then we dispersed and had folks out all across uh, all across, uh, especially the tornado affected um, communities, which uh, uh, you know. Y'all know of certainly mm-hmm. uh, Cordovas. There ended up being what was there two official rounds, three official rounds, uh, two official rounds, and Absolutely. and one of them we were fortunate enough um, after Superstorm Sandy hit the coast. A lot of the southern delegation was like, "Hey, we're still recovering mm-hmm. down here," right. and they they tied some money into that bill for us. They had another, uh, and uh, that's actually what we built City Hall with was right. that round of funding. Um, so good, perfect segue, uh, Jim. So we talk just to reset the timeline. Uh, beginning of January 2011, you're the mayor of Prattville, and you're happy and intending to run for re-election. Absolutely. 
by the end of January 2011, um, you're the director of ADECA. Correct. And then by April of 2011, you are leading the agency that's pretty much in charge of tornado recovery in our state. We were named the agency of long-term, uh, the, yes, we were the agency of long-term recovery. We were. And, yes. and so uh, all of us remember 2011. We remember how right. impactful it was to the entire state. And then obviously in this area, Cordova was the hardest hit. And uh, so you, you brought your team up, and that's how we met. Absolutely. Um, I was on the council shortly thereafter, and so I would have interfaced with you in the beginning with the council. Uh, you sent a crew up, and then Stephanie came up to our community. Tell me a little bit about you, you. You gave each community kind of a liaison that was there at our meetings. And we did. Tell me we, a little bit about your we, structure there. Um, you know, I don't know that I had ever been to what I thought was called Cordova mm-hmm. until a day, the day after the tornado. The governor, Governor Bentley, sent his cabinet. He divided us and sent us to communities. And I was blessed to be assigned to Walker County. So Gina Smith, our deputy director, and I drove to Walker County, and we ended up in downtown Cordova. Jack Scott was the mayor at the time. Mm -hmm. Jack Scott, Greg Reed, who Mm -hmm. I don't know that I had met. He was brand new also. Mm -hmm. And Carson Adderholt were all uh, touring, and we met them and visited. Um, I now know that it is not Cordova. It is Cordova. Mm -hmm. I know how to say it. I know from, well, it's pretty good good. from Otago County, but... um, so what we did... Or if you're a meteorologist in Birmingham, Cardova, well, every now and then. No, I would never say Cardova. And if you're not so good with R's, it's Cadova. Cadova. No, no, no. Cadova. Uh, which Cadova. that is not correct. I'll no. go on record with that one right now. <laughs> There's an R in that word. That's right. Yeah. So what we did, we, when we were named the, uh, the Agency of Long-Term Recovery, so you had FEMA and the Emergency Management Agency. They were immediate. They were making sure that immediate needs were met. And then when the when the federal government gave the states these supplemental disasters, we set up a long-term disaster recovery unit. And we were able to have some employees, and we had Rocky Riddle, who was um, he was our Otago County EMA director, and he brought um, Stephanie Sutherland, and Stephanie actually worked with me at City Hall. So there is, there is a connection. But I, as you know, when you're a leader, you want people who, who you, A, you trust, who are qualified, and who you know will get the job done. And those two... Uh, I knew would get the job done. And so we named them, and then what they did is they found out, and it worked out really nicely because Stephanie, Rocky, and others were able to get into the, each community had a long-term recovery um, committee, Mm -hmm. and so they were able to work with that committee because, as you guys know, in Cordova, your grocery store was was out, city, um, basically everything was Mm -hmm. gone. But then you moved to some other community, let's just say Pratt City in Birmingham, their, their big deal was a library. Their library was hit. Um, and as you move to different communities across the state, Hackleburg, uh, medical office, they had lost City Hall. They lost uh, similar to Cordova. But if you move to different communities, Tuscaloosa, of course, there were different needs. Mm-hmm. Similar but different. And so Stephanie and Rocky were able to get into those communities and find out what you needed, what you wanted, um, and interface with the locals because um, – I use Cordova as a great example. Um, you did not want, you were not satisfied, when I say you, I'm talking about that community was not satisfied with just the standard metal building. They wanted, they, they decided we now have a blank slate, we want something different, we want it to be better. Some communities did not take that approach. They took the approach of we'll just not take what we'll get, but we will just, you know, 
we'll take yeah, whatever. Yeah. Give me a building. Yeah. So that's where it, it was good that we had Stephanie and we had people who were in those local communities because we didn't know in Montgomery. You know, we're we're just mm-hmm. not just handing you money, but we're we're trying to get that money for, um, you know, for whatever was needed, if that makes sense. It does. <coughs> and I remember so um, Rocky called me. Like the day after I was elected, um, and I ended up meeting him at like a Starbucks in Birmingham or something. He wanted to introduce himself like the day after I was elected. Uh, that that's how into our recovery your group was. So right. from the top Good. down, I don't know if it was the top down or if they were yeah. doing it without you. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> we'll say it, we'll say we'll say it was it was the top down. And I have to say, <laughs> Rocky Milliman was our. I, I may have said Rocky Riddle. Um, Rocky Riddle worked with me at the city, but Rocky Milliman and Rocky Milliman, uh, you know, Drew has since. Mm-hmm. Uh, passed away um but what a great guy and, mm-hmm. and he knew he knew uh, uh you know recovery and he knew how to get things done and and we certainly did uh, i think our experience all the way around was uh i really felt like the state was superior to the federal government in, in the recovery yes. mode I, I almost felt like um and i'll get senator reed started on it. this is the day i fell in love with senator reed by the way we got on a call with fema shortly after i'd taken office and uh for those in cordova they remember uh we had a fence around downtown. We just couldn't let people go through downtown. I we remember that. Mm-hmm. We couldn't tear the buildings down. We couldn't move forward. I we remember couldn't build that. anything, and we're just trapped. And Don't and forget it, the fires. I always like to throw in the fires. I, I was to, here. Ask me how many coming. times I, I covered my, ta- my town burning. How many times does a reporter cover the their town burning yeah. once? Rarely. How many times did I do it? Three. I was here one of the fires. Three times. I happened and to be driving down I-22, and I noticed smoke coming from Cordova. And for the record, uh, none of those fires were uh, on, on my term except no. for the one <laughs> during the demolition project that we did on purpose and advertised greatly that we were doing it. No, there were three legit, like, yeah. arson-type fires yeah. beyond just the controlled burns. And no arrests yeah. were made either. On no arrests were made. <laughs> no arrests were made. But I remember getting on a call, and uh, every time FEMA always felt like they were moving the carrot, you would do what they said, and they're like, oh, by the way, here's 10 other things to do. And then you would do all those 10 things, and then they would say, oh, yeah, but these five things also. And it just kept happening. And I remember this just was the case. This was the case that I inherited. They were doing this to Mayor Scott before me. They were doing it to me right when I got in. And I'm like, is there really a finish line? My father had a conspiracy theory that these disaster recovery guys only have work when they're recovering from disasters. <laughs> I started believing him towards the end a little bit. Uh, but I remember Senator Reed getting on a call, and I mean, just the most eloquent lashing out I had ever heard of talking about how they were literally holding a community hostage. And he went through his little spill, he got done, and he quit talking, and like a week later, we had funding to tear down our downtown. And I was like, all right, well, that's what it took. What it took. But it never and felt that way with the state. It never felt that good. way with you guys. It the, felt like y'all were there to help our community There recover. was publicity around the 18-month um, mark that happened as well. Yeah, um, there was some stories that the went AP, pretty, pretty the big. AP the AP got involved. Up. We did a story, mm-hmm. and then AP came and did their own story, and there were people that were shocked that a full uh, 18 months after the disaster, that yeah. it still looked like it did. So there was both behind-the-scenes lobbying and there was public pressure mm-hmm. being Put applied uh, to, because you were asking, what's the answer to this question? Why Why does this town still look this way? And yeah. nobody had a good answer there was well, a for good a reporter. Answer. And yeah. you guys know... Um, having had the benefit of working in communities across the state, you guys know that you saw that every day. So it, not that not that you didn't need an everyday reminder that a tornado had come through your community because you had deaths and you had people whose homes were damaged or destroyed. But in most communities, lie, a, there was a new normal, and the new normal was those buildings were torn down, so it was flat. So you didn't have this 
just you you had a reminder, but it was not a I don't I don't I don't even know how to express it. I won't say it wasn't a negative reminder, but it wasn't just a constant fenced destroyed buildings. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. fenced off because they they're they're unsafe and they could be most communities had moved on. And yep. and we couldn't. I every mean, day correct. was April 27th. Yeah. I yes. said that. Every day was yes. April 27th. I, I think we're done. Whether you were driving to work or dropping the kids off at school or whatever you were doing, you had to pass by this fenced in downtown. It was, correct. It was tough. Yes. Um, I, there's still the reminders now with the buildings gone. I mean, it still is there, but to your point, there's this, this new normal with that. And Correct. It was, it was hard to move on. Of course, y'all also had, you know, I had never met Beth. Stooks, yeah. and y'all had Beth Stooks, who was uh, she was taking good care and making sure that folks in Montgomery kept Cordova close. To so their Beth actually mind. chaired; uh, she chaired on the local level. She chaired mm-hmm. our long term recovery committee, and uh, she she taught both Jennifer mm-hmm. and I in school. Was a fantastic teacher. You could always tell the ones that really cared about what they were doing. Um, and then after that, in high school, I actually cut her grass for her for a while when I was in high school. So I knew I knew Beth very well, but I had never seen this leader of long-term recovery, Beth, before. And, oh, my goodness, I mean, that was – we had some local leadership, I'll you tell did. you that. You absolutely and it may did. not have come from the mayor's office at all. Well, it may have you, come from, that, from, from local, Beth right there. Local <laughs> leaders. And I will tell you something else. Uh, that, you know, we were involved with the grocery store from a, from a dollar standpoint. And that was a big deal. And I can remember two or three things I remember about the grocery store. One, I remember that day, it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving when uh, Governor Bentley called uh, you, Mayor, and Beth was on the y'all's long-term recovery to tell mm-hmm. tell you that we had secured the uh, funding for the grocery store. It was a wonderful call. And then the day that the grocery store opened, of course, I had been a mayor. I knew Mayor Scott because he was the mayor when I first arrived on the scene after the tornadoes and then... Uh, there was a, the subsequent election in 2012, but on the day of the ribbon cutting of the grocery store, Mayor Gilbert was up there and about mm-hmm. to cut the ribbon, and he said, wait, wait, wait. I mean, it's just out of a, just like out of a movie, and I knew then I liked this guy. Even though he, he wore colored socks, so I knew I liked him anyway, <laughs> but he said, wait, wait, wait. Mayor Scott, you need to come up here and help me cut this ribbon because you started this. You were the ones calling Montgomery before I got on the scene, and that's a real sign of leadership and mature leadership. And uh, I knew then this is a cool spot right here. And, and you know, he renamed the street in front of the grocery store for Mayor Scott. I did not know that. Yeah. That's no Jack I did not. Scott. Is it Boulevard? Did Jack you Scott Boulevard? Boulevard. I asked him what he wanted, and he wouldn't tell me, so I picked Boulevard. I did not know there was when a Jack Scott Boulevard. When they rearranged the street Boulevard. structure, I they do. had to get a new designation. Okay. And it's the name. shortest Boulevard in Alabama. It's tiny. But it's Jack's. Well, that's <laughs> well. Tell him Jack's joke. Jack's joke is the name of the street is it's longer than the street. The sign's longer than the street. But to to your point, and I think that's something that is so devoid in government leadership right now, Mayor Scott worked tirelessly to secure the funding for that grocery store. Absolutely. We don't have that funding for that grocery store at that time without Mayor Scott. And we get into who gets credit and who gets to, who gets to take Absolutely. this home and who gets to put the trophy on the shelf. And we're so disingenuous with voters, and, and we get to have this conversation. But that was a real moment. He did it, and there's no arguing that well, he got the money. Because the big uh, – the 
ceremony that we attended, right? That was the grocery store was in December. You had just yeah, taken office yeah. in November. He went with us for so the it award was, right, as well. It was yeah. actually a month later. You'd only been in office for a month when the money actually was officially, there was a, a press conference and that kind of a thing. It, so. I think part of it was, uh, and, and I'm, I'm very fortunate, I was so young in all of it that I didn't understand that I was supposed to be a jerk, I guess, when you get into office. Well, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> we live in a time, y'all know, we live in a time where it's a zero-sum Mm-hmm. game and and it's uh it's a you know i'm a I, I have always served as a as well i'm a i'm a positive guy anyway but i've mm-hmm. always served that we can all maybe we should all do better not a zero sum if i'm again you know jennifer we may disagree on something that doesn't mean i don't lord i i, I need you you know we all need each other mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to happen down the road, we all have differences. We all have uh, things we may agree or disagree on, but we live at a time now where it's just zero sum. And if you're not just killing your opponent, mm-hmm. um, you're you're not. I, I don't know. It's an odd time politically. It, it, it it's, certainly it's, is. I, I hope we swing back to some degree of normalcy. And and you know, most of the time when you're at when you're at the city council level, you have that. Mm-hmm. And and it, I don't know if it's not if it's because there's no parties uh, or there's no caucusing or whatnot, but you have to work together. Mm-hmm. You have to work together for the yeah. benefit of your and people. Well, I did a little period. Facebook stalking, uh, well, as you, you seem to yourself. And I saw <coughs> on your Facebook page you shared something after, I think it was the Super Tuesday, that if you were elected today, remember it's temporary. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't, remember, remember it's temporary. It's temporary. It's absolutely temporary. So, it, well, you know, you're still going to be a person at the end absolutely. of it, whether you were elected or not. Well, Jim certainly mentioned the beginning of our relationship was uh, obviously just uh, – a deck of being in Cordova, but since then, uh, we're Twitter buddies, and we're we're kindred spirits on Twitter. It's <laughs> we're looking for this middle ground because Absolutely. I think something that both of us understand. We're all Americans, and we all really believe the same things, but we're focused. Everybody else is focused on where we're different, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm with I'm with Jim. I just don't want to look at that anymore. It's frustrating to look Absolutely. at that. Absolutely, and it's it's an interesting time when you we we. Beverly, my wife and I, we have a daughter that's 18, a senior in high school, and we have sons that are 14 and 12, 7th and 8th graders. And it's interesting. We still eat around the dinner table when we're not at soccer or some event. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just parenting. Good grief. You're just telling these, you know, pumping into these young people um, that you're taking care of people. Pull your own red. You know, we, we say at our table, pull your own red wagon. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing because there's always going to be somebody that looks like they've had it easier. They're always mm-hmm. better looking. They're always – everything is easy for them. Well, if you spend all of your time worrying about them and you're not worrying about your red wagon, you are going to be – you're going to have a miserable life. And and I don't know. It's interesting times we live in right now. So. <laughs> interesting <certainly>. times. <laughs> So uh, who do you work with? Uh, who do you work with now? Uh, yeah. Do you know? We what? talked a little bit about that at lunch. Okay, yeah. I'm curious so about this. So what I did, Jennifer, after I left ADECA, uh, I did what all former elected officials do. I started a consulting firm. Right. And uh, I had never worked, never done anything like this in my life. So I have a what I call a strategic consulting firm. I don't do any lobbying and I don't do public relations, but I help uh, companies and cities and uh, counties. I do some business development and some commercial and economic development. So uh, community development, not commercial development, community and economic development. And I have about 14 clients across the state and I just roam around and help them 
help them figure, help them navigate bureaucracy. So sometimes people have a question about state agencies, and I've been blessed to be there. Sometimes I help uh, figure out, uh, you know, a problem they may be having, help them with some strategic thought, um, figure out who, who to get at the table. I, I, I like to think that if you get the right souls at the table, you can solve any problem. And so sometimes I help companies figure out who that right soul at the table is. Um, I, I, I'm a fresh eyes guy. I get to come to communities, get to go to communities all across our state. And I look at, you know, I'm a fresh eyes. So I'm, I've actually done some work up here in Walker County with Paul Kennedy and the Walker uh, Walker Community Foundation in uh, Dora and in uh, Sipsy and some of the little communities up here and just to help them figure out what they want to be, what they, how they can, you know, their sense of place, their where they are today, um, and I'm, I'm very involved in Main Street, Alabama, and your town, Alabama, and Design, Alabama, and uh, ACE, the Alabama Communities of Excellence program, and so I, I, I enjoy sense of place. I love uh, uh, today coming and eating lunch in downtown Jasper and what your downtown and your Main Street uh, are doing. Uh, communities can learn so much. We're not you know, everybody in Alabama wants to be Fairhope. We don't all have the Mobile Bay, but we all have something that's unique to that community mm -hmm. and that folks will get off the interstate and, and mm -hmm. look at. You know, everybody everybody needs Chick-fil-A, but at some point people want to see local and they want to see things, and that's... Well, you got to eat on Sunday, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to eat on Sunday, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's what I get to do is roam around and help folks, I hope, and... and uh, add some value to companies, and and I enjoy that. Have a good have a good time. So you touched on your family a little bit. Oldest daughter, two boys. I um, did. Daughter got to vote this time. I saw on she Twitter. did. Mary Lee's. What uh, is that voted? like for uh, for someone voted. that really cares about it like you? Because I know I'm headed there in about fifteen. years. <laughs> you are headed there. Yeah. Our you know our children have been blessed with their entire lives. Their dad was the mayor or was in public service, and so they have uh, led uh, you know. I say public life, but in practice, well, they've led a very yeah, public right, life. They, right. they they know how to act, know what fork to eat with and all that jazz. They don't always act like that, but they do know. Um, they have always voted with us. We have been, we are sticklers for bringing them when mm -hmm. we go to the polls and vote. So they've always been to the polls. They know all the people. And, mm -hmm. you know, some of that may be political because who doesn't love their mayor to come in with those adorable children and you know oh so uh, yeah. but they've always gone with us um, we talk politics at our house they've you know when things happen we eat dinner and they know about things they can tell you you're probably nerdy but they know you know they watch presidential debates they watch I won't say they watch presidential say, debates or meet the press but they yeah. are they are in the room when those things happen or when meet the press is on those kind of things but Pretty interesting. We went over with Mary Lee, her ballot, um, and when I say we went over, I went to our probate office and got her a Democrat sample ballot and a Republican sample ballot. We talked about who uh, Beverly and I thought we were going to vote for. We don't always vote the same way, but we do talk about it, I'm sure, like you guys do. And we talked about that, and we showed Mary Lee the ballot and talked to her about the delegates and mm -hmm. the amendment. And um, so she went down and did her did her do and uh, I'm so proud yeah it's pretty cool so and, and 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 I have to say and you guys know uh, I'm sure you know there's an app you know 
John Merrill's got the Vote yeah. Alabama app yeah. that I've got on my phone. And anybody, I mean, that's what we did on Mary Lisa's birthday. We registered her on the mm-hmm. app. In about two days, she got her registration card. It's very easy. So when people talk yeah. about they can't, they, look. If you can, I've been I mean, very impressed surrounding uh, the, the <coughs> transparency of where you vote and how you register and all that. I, I really feel like the the secretary's website is, is top shelf. Um, I've noticed that. Absolutely. Let me just put in a plug here for something you mentioned that you always took your children to vote. Um, nobody in my house really voted as I was growing up except my father. And he always took me, always went to the VFW, and mm-hmm. Daddy always um, went to the front of the stage. He wanted to vote on the stage. He didn't even vote in the back. Like, Daddy's... He's like getting away from the folks. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot like him. But if I always went with him, and I thought it was the biggest deal, and I thought that was, was what it meant to be an adult, was to go vote. Go, and sometimes well, I think we don't take that seriously enough, but honestly, to, if you want to maybe trace back about where some of this started before I could have even told you who a president was or something, yeah. it's because he took me to vote, uh-huh. I knew it was important, and eventually, you know, I got interested in my own way. But I, I just don't think we give that enough uh, importance huge. of how yeah. you can honestly influence someone's life just by taking them to vote with uh-huh. you and just letting them know that you think it's important. Well, same, and this was the first time I really got to say, my daughter's three now. This is the first time I got to take her, and I, I'm, I'm with him. It's the same idea. I'm not trying to get reelected, so mine certainly no, no, no. wasn't political. <laughs> well, there's a, there's uh, a, who, who is it? There's a... There's a it's a famous uh, somebody said you know it always said go and vote it make you feel big and strong mm-hmm. and it does make you feel big and strong mm-hmm. because you do have that influence and especially if you look just in Alabama last uh, uh, you know two weeks ago when we had Super Tuesday in our county in Tulsa County some of the county commission races were determined by a very few votes yeah ours um, ours weren't really that super close we've got a couple of runoffs but I know there was a the chairman's race here, uh, the incumbent chairman won the box in Cordova by like four votes four or something. Votes, he ended yeah. up getting defeated, but uh, those, some, those boxes <laughs> well, matter uh, and those votes you, matter. You, you take Alabama's second congressional district where I live. Uh, Martha Roby is our congresswoman mm-hmm. right now, and she's announced her retirement, so we have an open seat. And um, the runoff, Jessica Taylor, who is from Prattville, was, in the, was uh, vying for that seat. She missed the runoff by 600 votes out of the whole second yeah. congressional district. Yeah, that's a big number. So we yeah. had, uh, so the last, uh, this would have been the 2018 uh, election, mm-hmm. the general one, uh, Nick, my police chief, was elected sheriff of Walker County. He was. I, was, I watched that race. And so his, uh, <coughs> in, the, in the Republican primary against the incumbent, he missed carrying it. I want to say by like eight votes or it something like that, where either. he didn't need, wouldn't need a runoff. And you know, as a candidate, that's a whole nother election you're campaigning for. I mean, you, you can't you can't take a break. No. And uh, I gave him a list of eight people that I mm-hmm. either knew didn't vote or had voted in the Democratic primary that day because they were voting for uh, I think for Walt Maddox for governor or something right. like that. So I gave him a list of eight people that he could go harass that I knew had not pushed him over the finish line. Which obviously there were a lot more people in the Absolutely. county that would have supported him. And, uh, and he's he is our sheriff now and been doing a fantastic job. But yeah, the votes matter. And frankly, if you, we're not going to vote. Well, I have a democracy, guys. <laughs> if, if, right. If Absolutely. So tell me a little bit. This is something I haven't experienced. So you and your brother have worked together uh, on, on numerous occasions. So 
Um, Prattville, get hit. when did you get hit by the tornadoes in Prattville? We had a tornado on February the in February of 2008. And so he was, was he EMA at the time? He was at EMA. And so you were the mayor of Prattville. I was. Uh, he's at EMA. And EMA. so you guys are working together on a tornado in Prattville. So fast forward to 2011. Yes. I met your brother because he was in Cordova. He was. Because you two were working a tornado in yes. Cordova. Yes. Uh, he has since moved on. He moved to FEMA. He uh, did. Actually was nominated by President Trump to run FEMA and then was. moved on from that opportunity and now he's in private sector I think he you is. said but what's that like working with uh, my brother and I kegged some beer together yesterday <laughs> I've never worked kind of in the government I've never kegged like any that. beer well with my see brother. I got but one now, over you then. you do have one over me so Jeff was the executive operations officer for the state EMA and that is the highest merit system job in the state EMA when we had our tornadoes Sunday afternoon in 2008, and it was an EF3 tornado. And when you start thinking about tornadoes, you know, and people will say, well, that was an EF1, and it wasn't as bad as the... It's not as bad if your house isn't destroyed, but if right. your house is destroyed, Didn't you don't really what care number if it's an EF1 to, or an yeah. EF... We, had, we were blessed. We had no death. We had no... No death. We had a tremendous amount of property damage. Our Walmart and our Kmart took direct hits, and when I got on the scene that Sunday afternoon, I, I just knew... This is, uh, there's just, I mean, mm-hmm. our food world was hit. A business dish, retail mm-hmm. corridor was hit. Um, a young man, Darren Kleckler, walked up to me, and he said, I'm Darren Kleckler. I'm with Stadium MA. Your brother has said that I am to stay next to you until you tell me to leave. <laughs> and that was a wonderful <laughs> feeling. So, but Jeff is all business, uh, was all business. He did not, he, uh, you know, there was a time, I think there was a newspaper article written. I know there was a newspaper article or two written, and one was that he had had to tell me no about something. And I gave him a stern big brother look like, <laughs> what do you mean? And so. Did um, y'all take it out back? We, or, no, 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 no. We just, we, I guess we settled it. I don't know. But Jeff is a economic, uh, is a, excuse me, is a, is a, uh, a disaster professional. And I used to joke when I was at, Adeka and he was at EMA. He's the one you want to. See. You never want to see him, yeah. but if you if you if you see him, you're glad he's there because uh-huh. you're seeing him only in times of real distress. He ended up going to FEMA with Brock Long and was the deputy uh, FEMA administrator. And then President Trump nominated him. He has since left, and he works for a group called Team Rubicon, which is a non-government organization group of. Uh, uh, veterans. Jeff is a Marine veteran and a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, and um, they come in and supplement. They're like a tier one, uh, tier one uh, folks that come in group that comes in uh, during a disaster and works with FEMA and kind of boots on the ground. But they're all veterans, and so they have a have a certain mentality, paramilitary yeah. type mentality, know how to follow instructions. But it's fun to work with Jeff. We worked uh, the tornadoes of, of um, April 2011 uh, together, of course. He was uh, much heavily, much more heavily involved in the immediate response and recovery, and we were in long term. But, um, you know, highlights when you're sitting there briefing the governor and it's the governor and your brother and you, That you know, mm-hmm. those are those are career things that don't happen often yeah but uh, there's Jeff and I are there that we're the only two uh, children of our family and so we're very close our children are very close um, 
and it's uh, it was always uh, most days fun to work with him. Everybody who knows us well says he's the more fun. He's you know <laughs> that I'm more tightly wound up. That he's the cutest and the sweetest and the blah blah blah. Uh-huh. And but you're not all, bitter. I'm not no, bitter at not all. Not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. He gave me uh, this is cute. He gave me myrrh and frankincense <laughs> one year for Christmas because he said that's what Jesus ought to give. Everybody <laughs> thinks I'm perfect, but Jeff's a little little. I, I'm more wound up than he is. But we have. Yeah. We're very close. He, he and his family have moved to D.C. and We still text and talk real, real regular. And um, well, yeah. at the risk of being too political in this room, I, <clears throat> I'll tiptoe around this. I haven't necessarily agreed with all of the appointments of our current president. Uh, I felt like at times it might have been somebody that wasn't qualified for that job. But when your brother was nominated, I was like, oh, a guy that knows how well, to do what he just got nominated for. I well, was pretty excited about I would, that one. I, would, I, am, I am totally biased, but I would say Jeff is a consummate, uh, you know, he, he is a emergency management professional. And he's, right. he's um, appears to be well thought of in that in that mm-hmm. realm. And, well, know, we saw it firsthand, and I, I certainly appreciate it because, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we were all overwhelmed. And it was Absolutely. good to have those people that were there to help you. So. Those, were, those were heady days up. Uh, this way so yeah well what's next we're going to consult and then is public service ever on the table for you again or well i think you drew uh, drew i think probably like you public service is never off the table because if you've been in public service um it means something to you Mm -hmm. um it you know i tell people i if you cut off my arm i'd bleed local government because i was brought up at the league of municipalities from the time i was 26 you know, I'm just local governments where it's at. Um, you never say never. You, mm-hmm. you know, you think about there. There are certainly days that I miss public service. Mm-hmm. There are days I don't miss public mm-hmm. service. Um, I enjoy. I do enjoy what I'm doing. But you know, you know it, we'll see what fate holds and what the way the stars line up. And if there's something that I think I could benefit, I, I certainly think I have something to give. I'm a good. You know, if I have a talent, I can build a team and bring folks with me that um, that can get things done. And I think sometimes in certain aspects, we need that today. Amen to that. So, um, so. But it's, it, you know, I've had a, I, I tell people I have their Camelot moments. When I was at City Hall, there was a moment of Camelot. When I was at ADECA, there's a moment of Camelot. And so I think if you just continue moving forward, uh, you know, my hashtag, if everybody, if anybody has a hashtag, mine would be onward because you just never know what tomorrow's going to bring. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly fun to be involved and to, uh, you know, network and know people and, and figure out how you can add some value to folks and they do that to you. So good stuff. That's the I, way I would end that. I mean, I that just feels that like the way to end it. <laughs> well, but <laughs> I want to throw have? in my one from left field question. Okay, left field. Um, again, from the Facebook stock. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I think you and I together have visited every presidential, li- every elected presidential library since LBJ. So I have <coughs> been to uh, George W. Bush in Dallas, Clinton's I've not in, been to Bush in, in Little Rock. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, and then Jimmy Carter's. Uh, is a, those are my three, I yep. think. And I saw you did a stretch where you did LBJ and you did Nixon and Reagan, of which I'm jealous. So which yep. is your favorite? Which was your favorite presidential I love, museum? Um, I, Richard Nixon's is really special. We did a we did a Western adventure last year. Our daughter, as I say, is a senior, so we thought this would be our last trip, our last Western adventure. And we did an 18, we were going 18 days, drove. 
uh, Wally World, here we oh, come. Wow. You know, and we've done two of those. I would highly recommend it. I could see you in the Clark Griswold. Um, I was uh, yeah, I, I can, I, wood I, grain panel yeah. on the side of the expedition. But anyway, we we wanted to go to. I wanted to go to Sequoia. Mm-hmm. I had never been to Sequoia to that national park, and so when we got to Sequoia, we thought, well, not when we got when we were planning. I thought, well, if we go to Sequoia. We ought to go to Yosemite. And if you go to Yosemite, well, you might as well go to San Francisco because it's that close, two hours, three hours, whatever it is. And so then when we got to San Francisco, I thought, well, we could go down and go to the Reagan Library and go to Los Angeles and come southern home. And that's what we ended up doing. So on that trip, we hit uh, Clinton and Little Rock and spent the night there. And then we went to, uh, we ended up, we hit Reagan and, and Nixon. And then we hit the LBJ Ranch and George H.W. Bush in uh College Station, but the LBJ Ranch is really, uh, you know, it's really any president, Republican or Democrat, you think about these people have given their uh, portion of their life to our country. It is awesome to see where they helped make decisions and where they thought things through and what they thought was important and mm-hmm. and, and the things that shaped their life. And, and I'll tell you, um, and, and y'all, I would certainly say, because everybody has a limited amount of breaths, but we, Beverly and I went two years ago over to Plains to uh, church with Jimmy, President Carter and had his Sunday school class. And that, that is just, a, you know, when you think about it, again, I'm taking the politics out of it. President of the United States, former President of the United States, has a Sunday school class that invites the world. Anybody wants to come, come hear me teach my Sunday school class. Um, that's pretty that's pretty awesome. cool about yeah. the United States of America that our the leader at one point of the free world is teaching Sunday school and inviting anybody who wants to come come over here my Sunday school class and 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 it's uh, it's amazing I'm so glad we were able to do that but we uh, you know dragging our children around uh, to these presidential libraries and um, y- y- y'all know that's our history and and that's the way you make good citizens is you start them young and you teach them civics and you teach them about these leaders and and uh, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're human. They're men of, with clay feet, and they make mistakes, and they've done things that they're probably not proud of. And 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 these are all these presidents' libraries. But we we had a great but Nixon, summer. You like Nixon's? The I best. did like Nixon. I did it. It it deals with Watergate in a in a, a head on head on, uh, just straightforward head on, and it deals with him as a very complex, very intelligent president, very intelligent with foreign affairs, but total complex at the complexities and the way he uh he thought things through but it's a it's a wonderful library if you ever have the where opportunity is, where is his is in yorba linda california, uh, california. metro los okay. angeles mm-hmm. but it is um it is right in uh, his birthplace is there of course he's you know he's buried, he and mrs nixon are buried there but it's a it's a really neat um neat library uh, very very interactive and just deals with watergate and the resignation uh, just head on, really, really interesting. I have to uh, catch times. up with y'all on the presidential library trail. Yeah, each one is a reflection of the president. Um, so Clinton's is there on the river, and there's the bridge to tomorrow, or, or whatever his thing That's was. Right. So there's an actual bridge that leads there. A uh, lot of words in Clinton's. Not surprisingly, I could, Absolutely. I just had to quit with the reading of the words. Right. Um, Carter's is probably my personal favorite. But my favorite story is in George uh, W. Bush's. You have 
uh, a piece of the Trade Center right in the middle. And so you're going around and you see about the 2000 election and there's like a little baseball thing. And so it's it's very lighthearted and, and that kind of a thing. And then you turn a corner and you're staring at that huge thing and there are all these names on the wall. And one of the, uh, the, uh, the people who work there at the museum told me, these are this wall here is the first responders. And I had to have her say it twice. I said, who are all these names? Because it's a huge, huge panel goes around. And that's just the first responders. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in, right in the middle, and you have, of course, the TVs that are on, blaring the news as it was at the time. But I just stood there for the longest time. Just And they even said, you go up and touch the thing. It's meant that you can physically touch right. it if you want to. Um, but I was just paralyzed in that room for a while before I could go on. So, Well, you, you think about that. Jennifer, my our daughter was born in August of '01. That was in September of '01. These are people who have grown up with that as kind of a backdrop, but they mm -hmm. don't, they don't, they weren't, you know, like us, know exactly where they were when that mm -hmm. happened and know what the day, um, the day, and the prayer services and the way the country was, kind of the innocence of the country, I guess you would say, in, in my lifetime. You know, people who are older than me say that when John President Kennedy was shot, that the innocence of the country went away. Well, in my innocent of the country going away moment was two thousand uh, September of two thousand one mm -hmm. because we were an innocent country before then. I mean, you just think about the uh, craziness of how you get on an airplane to, and travel today, mm -hmm. and how we and and you know this uh, this COVID nineteen or mm -hmm. coronavirus that's happening right now may be another moment. I, I don't. I guess we'll live through this and see. But that that September of two thousand one. You know those are things that that's where when you bring young people to that's the importance of, of showing these young people. Uh, I, I when we were at the LBJ Ranch, our children were just totally. Um, you know, taken aback that the president had three television, and Nixon's mm -hmm. was this way too, where they had three televisions because you had ABC, CBS, mm -hmm. and NBC, and certainly didn't have a clicker, and certainly, you know, they had three televisions sitting mm -hmm. side by side. That was the technology of the day, and our children were just totally, <laughs> you know, taken, shocked by that. <laughs> So, yeah, times change. Also, the cool thing about presidential libraries is each one typically has the oval as it was Absolutely. at the time that the president was so. And in some of them, you can actually, you can walk around, have your picture made in the oval, um, yes, that kind of a thing. So uh, it's it's a cool part when you go to a presidential yeah. library. Reagan's, HW Reagan's has a limousine, has a presidential okay. limousine, right? Doesn't HW Clinton, have? Clinton, Clinton does. Oh, Clinton had the limousine. He does. What does HW have? I thought HW had he something. He had, now, what? Um, George H. W. Bush had his boat, oh, his boat. his um, I can't think of the name of it now, but it's a fidelity. It's fidelity mm -hmm. as the fidelity, um, uh, his cigarette boat, as they say, when it was out there. And it also has another cool thing about the George H. W. Bush Library is they have a um, part of the library is done as the den that they had, and it was an ode to Barbara Bush's um, reading. And so there are books on the wall and just children's books, and you can take very interactive with very interactive for children. But That's really cool. Interesting, mm -hmm. interesting. All right, I'm going on a presidential. I had to. Sure I had to. Ask, I had to ask I'm someone there. else because well, well, you know, I haven't we, been to any of the ones you've seen, and, and well, other than Clinton, you haven't right. been. Well, possibly did you see? Did you see Carter's? I you've have, been to Carter's, yeah. right? But so. you, you know, you have to. Uh, we drug our children. They 
had, um, we spent a night in Las Vegas. So our son, our 14-year-old James, that's his favorite part. If you ask him. <laughs> Las Vegas. What y'all do? Vegas. Las Vegas. He wants to go, he want, yeah, he wants to Not go back to Vegas. Not the Nixon Library? What are you saying, no, sir? he wants to go to Vegas. And so, um, anyway, everybody has their favorite park. So we, we, we hit a lot of the country. We were on a true uh, <laughs> Clark. That's, that's fantastic. I'm picturing <laughs> we, it. We hit a lot of, a lot of spots. We had a great itinerary. We made, we made our, we brought... You know, everybody who went with us came home with us and, and was decently happy. So, But, of course, everybody's got devices, so they're all, you <laughs> so, have to yeah. look up, we're passing the country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we are passing You're the country. The you place. are missing. And to your left uh, is right. America. That's right. The Grand Canyon, take your phone <laughs> down. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. uh, I just had to ask. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm that. sure that was an appropriate ending place about 10 minutes ago, but I just had hey, to ask because I love some presidential libraries. That's cool. Well, Jim, thank you for coming hey, thank up. Thank you all for having me Thank here. you for serving the state. Thank Absolutely. you for serving uh, Prattville and then uh, yeah, whatever's next. And thank you for all those checks. <laughs> the big checks for Cordova. Hey, we I, appreciate, like those. I appreciate you guys. I, the value of today, you know, today, one of the things is with social media, you keep up with people. So you have friends all across the state, and it's fun to keep up with what's going on in Walker County. Um, on Twitter and on Facebook and it's always fun to see the good things that are happening up here I like the good things and we're back uh, with yet another one of those interviews we did in simpler times before the coronavirus (laughs) took over everything I remember as we ended that he actually pulled out his phone and I think the governor of Pennsylvania had shut down schools um, while we were in that interview yeah, we were kind and of, within maybe three days or so, that happened here. Yeah, we so. were in that moment where we saw it really starting to hit other states, and we knew it was coming. Uh, so we were just kind of, I guess, like living it up while we right. could. And I, I thought about we that since it was ironic that we were with him, that our last interview yeah. before all that was with him, who knows a thing or two about disasters um, and, you know, things that don't go the way they're supposed to in state government yeah. and local government. And so it kind of runs in his family, too. They, they uh, respond to disaster. Mm-hmm. You heard him talk about that a little bit. Uh, one of the things I, I, I don't know that we, we, we maybe assumed for some people, but um, we talked about the Alabama Department of Economic and Community mm-hmm. Affairs, for which he was the director, and that was a, a gubernatorial appointment. So we talked about mm-hmm. uh, Governor Bainley had chosen him, and then he'd be confirmed mm-hmm. to serve in that role. He served in that role all the way. Uh, he served a little bit for Kay Ivey. Uh, but as you guys know, when, when Miss Ivy took office, I think she felt it best to just like wash, Clean slate. wash her hands of mm-hmm. the entire uh, Bentley administration. Right. I didn't necessarily agree with that wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. but he was such a fantastic director right. uh, in, the, in the role that he was in. But I also respected why she would want. to And to, to be do clear, that. it had nothing to do with those individuals themselves. No, she doesn't. She didn't go no, around targeting yeah, people, yeah. you know, that she thought had been appointed, you know, incorrectly or something. She really just wanted, like, wanted her people. if you ever had your picture made with Robert <laughs> oh, Bentley, yeah. you were kind of on the bubble <laughs> in that moment. She really didn't want you uh, that close to her cabinet. Yeah. So she so. brought in all new people, which led him to this next chapter. So. Um, and he it, seemed to be doing well. We talked about it a little bit, yeah. but he didn't seem to have a whole lot of gr- regret. He seems to be, he he transitions well. Oh, it was really funny. Uh, we talked about it a little bit more uh, at lunch. It wasn't his intention to like, when he got out of that, to get into consulting, which a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of people that have been in government Natural do, path. Because you, you're just connected to all these people. And especially as the director of ADECA after the tornadoes, this man just traveled the state. His entire team just mm-hmm. traveled the state and met local leaders everywhere, mm-hmm. county officials, city officials, and, and then he interacted directly with state officials in the governor's office. 
So he's just got all these relationships that now can can be leveraged for these people when they're doing different projects, and mm-hmm. he can really kind of get rid of some of the bureaucratic mess for them and, wow. and clean it up. It wasn't his intention. He had other people and friends and people that he respects like be like, hey, you should do this. It's right up your alley. And he's like, I don't know. But then after the second or third person said the same thing to him, he's like, I might need to consider actually doing this with mm-hmm. my life right now. So. Um, I, I don't think we're done with with uh, Jim Byer Jr. and his name official. being on a ballot. Yeah, I think you'll see it one day. And uh, regardless of kind of where your political stances are or where you lean, um, he's a good human being uh, in my experience, mm-hmm. and I, I would advocate that right. part of fun it. guy. We're Facebook friends now. Oh, congrats! Um, so he's a good Twitter follow. Yeah. Uh, in the times of crazy, fun on social media. In the times of crazy hyper-partisanship where it's your team versus my team, he never chooses that role. And I always love that. No, very positive on he's Facebook. A, he's a politically engaged guy. He served for the Republican governor of this mm-hmm. state. Um, but he just not he's not like a blind follower of his side. And, man, we miss that a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, that's just FYI to all of you. That's what you should look for in a leader. Uh, leaders um, aren't necessarily trying to follow all the time. Right. They're trying to lead you. So, um, yeah. just so check him out on Twitter or, or Facebook. He's uh, He'll make you feel better about, about your will. day and your government. He, he keeps will. things very positive on there. Uh, so, again, I want to remind you that we're doing a lot of these um, uh, while at this moment we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, but we do want to get this content out to you guys on a regular basis. So not really sure. Um, we have some ideas about people we'd like to interview from here, but this episode officially wraps up the ones that we've done to this point. So hopefully uh, we're past all that. <laughs> hopefully normalcy well, has returned. We're clicking along with the interviews again. The good news is, is if we're not quite there, it is 2020, and we do have some technology, right. and maybe we're just remoting in right. some interviews. I had to do a, a Skype interview, yeah. and it didn't even have to do with the COVID thing because that yeah. wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. I did it for something different. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I can't really tease what the next episode will be about, but we are committed to, uh, to keep doing these things. We have a guest list uh, that we started before. Um, the world went crazy that we wanted to get to. Um, and some of those conversations may be even more interesting now than they were going to be before, considering some of those individuals. So uh, so stay with your podcast feed. Uh, we're going to be back, and we will see you then. See you guys.